by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Proverbs 11.30. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he who wins souls is wise. So that goes right along with what Miss Kathy was saying. He who wins souls is wise. That's where we usually preach from that uh, when we come to this scripture. But today we're going to look at the first part of that, where it says the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And if we look at ourselves, we're thinking, well, I'm, I'm not really righteous, you know. I don't consider myself righteous, <laughs> But guess what? If Jesus is your Lord, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He exchanged on the cross his righteousness for our unrighteousness. And he made us right with God in the process. So you are righteous. But the question remains is are we producing fruit? Because that's what God's after. The fruit of the righteousness is a tree of life. You're not supposed to be part of the problem here on earth, the darkness and the destruction, but you're supposed to be part of the solution and be a tree of life. Like it says in Psalms 23, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I'm leaving a trail of goodness and mercy, not a trail of destruction and darkness. My life, the life of God that was put on the inside of me when I made Jesus Lord, needs to produce fruit. It has to come out. It has to be, the salvation has to be worked out, and I need to become a tree where my branches are supporting fruit and life for others. Amen? Well, we're in a new series we started last week called The Crossroad. And we're talking about the, the road to Jerusalem and the last week of Jesus' life here on earth, the Passion Week, and how he went to the cross, and then after that he was resurrected. And we're talking about how do we get through this life and get to the resurrection part. We always want the resurrection. We always, all of us want the resurrection from all the things that we suffer in this life. So how do we get there? Well, today's message is part two. It's called cleansing the temple. Didn't hear a lot of amens on that one. Hallelujah, I'm ready for that part. But anyway, last week we started the discussion, the crossroad. I started it with when Jesus says, Lazarus, come forth. He said, Rick, come forth. Tyler, come forth. He said it to you. And hopefully you've come forth. You come out of the cave, so to speak, out of the darkness, out of the tomb, and you walked out into the light and you received your salvation. And just like Lazarus, we talked about, now it's time to ride with Jesus. 
And so we talked about his triumphal procession into Jerusalem and how most of us thought that when we got saved, well, hey, Jesus is going to give me a limo and we're going to ride into the palace. But it didn't work out like that. We realized that riding with Jesus is riding on a donkey into the temple, not a limo into the palace. A little different. See, God's understanding of what we need and, and what will give us fulfillment is different than what the world's idea is. And so anyway, it was a course correction for us to adjust our thinking to the way of, that God thinks, to be humbly about the Father's business, not prideful about our business, but humble about the Father's business. Nonetheless, it is a triumphal procession. If you're, if you're riding with Jesus, we were shouting last week, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? Well, Jesus goes into Jerusalem. That's where we left off. And he, you know, celebrated. And then he went back to spend the night in a town called Bethany. And uh, Bethany is where Lazarus is from. And, and all indications, he probably stayed at Lazarus' house. Because Lazarus was his friend. And so the next morning they get up to go back in Jerusalem. Bethany's right outside of Jerusalem. So the next morning they get up to walk back to Jerusalem. And Jesus is walking along. And he sees a fig tree off to the side of the road. Now imagine his belly's gurgling a little bit. He didn't eat his Wheaties that morning. He's thinking to himself, hmm, figs, that'll, that'll sit just right. But he gets to the tree. And though the tree is green with leaves, and it looks healthy, it's producing no fruit. And Jesus curses that fig tree and says, may you produce fruit no more. Now, what, I, what was he doing? What do you think he was doing? I think he was setting an example for us to see that God expects us not just to look all clothed like a Christian, Not just to look all fixed up and gussied up for church. But he really expects us to produce Christian fruit. And the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And so we are supposed to be producing what? Life. That's the fruit that Jesus wants us to produce. What are we trying to do when we go on sidewalk stories? We're there to produce life in those children. We're there to share life with those children. Life is meant to be shared with someone else. Peter told Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. Where else shall we go? Now, we're supposed to share it. Let's turn to our text for today. That was all just a setup. That was all for free. We're not even going to charge you for that part. Let's turn to Matthew 21. You know, I started to put a Facebook post out this morning say, hey, you fair-weathered Christians, don't even come to church today. Because they ain't going to come today anyway. I know you're not the fair-weathered ones because you showed up. But I started to say that because that make everybody think, I'm not a fair-weathered Christian, I'm going to church <laughs> That would have been like sneaky, wouldn't it? 
but I probably would have got fired, so <clears throat> just kidding. I hope. All right. You know, when we got here this morning, somebody, we was praying before the service, and somebody said, man, there's really a spirit in this place this morning. People, there's a heaviness. People are coming in in a bad mood and stuff. We broke that off. So if you're still in a bad mood, you're trying to grab it back. Break it off. Let it go. This is the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. I mean, y'all need to be shouting with me this morning. I don't care if you're in the valley. You know, it's in the valley when he usually is carrying you. There's one set of footprints, right? All right, Matthew 21, 12. This is our text for today. It says, then Jesus went into the temple of God. Now, this is after he's cursed the fig tree. So he's probably still got a little righteous anger going on. Still a little upset. His belly's still gurgling. And he... He went into the temple of God and drove out all who bought and sold in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. But you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw how wonderful things that he did, and the children were crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were just so excited. No. Why were they not excited? But apparently they were indignant. And they said to him, do you hear what these people are saying? And he said to them, yes, have you never read out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants you have perfected praise? We need to stop overthinking our Christianity and just come back to a childlike faith. Hey, amen? And then verse 17 says, he left them and he went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. Jesus came to restore order in the temple. Say order. Say order. I'm going to get y'all to preach with me today. Jesus came to restore order in your temple. Say order. Say ouch. <laughs> you saying when I, you know, he came to restore order in this temple. Jesus comes where Jesus goes, he restores order. Everything decent and in order. And 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If you're a child of God, you are a temple of God. This thing we call a body, this earth suit that we're wearing right now, it is a temple of the living God. And the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And we need to begin to treat it like a temple. What are the things you stop doing when you come to church on Sunday? Well, you need to stop doing them Monday through Saturday. Because that temple's going with you. You are a temple of the living God. And allowing Jesus to clean up our temple, well, it requires a little courage to make a little change. To run off the old guard in our life. The influencers, the tempters, 
the temptations. You got to stop running with the den of thieves. He wants to create some order in your life. Say order. You got to part with the pornography. With the pot stash. With the pills. You might have to part with your Pink Floyd. I don't know. But Jesus is running off things out of your temple. Because he's come to create some order. You know, my old friends didn't want to hang around me once I gave my heart to Jesus anyway. They said, all you do is talk about Jesus all the time. I thought to myself, all you do is talk about Led Zeppelin. So what? Everybody's talking about what's important to them. You know what I'm saying? I couldn't help it. I didn't mean to run them off. They just kind of run off. (laughs) And it happened to Peter. In 1 Peter 4, 4, he says, Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things that they do. They think, wow. (laughs) He ain't said, watch this, hold my beard a long time. (laughs) You're not plunging into the same destruction that you used to. And they think it's weird. So they slander you. Anybody ever got saved and now all your friends talking about you behind your back? That's just the way it is. But remember, they will have to face God who stands ready to judge everyone, both the living and the dead. So just like you, they're going to have to stand before the judge. And you'll be standing before him as one of the living. But the good news is, when I came out from among my friends, when I separated myself from the destruction that they were doing, and I came out from among themselves and, and beca- separated myself, which means a sanctification, a setting apart, I began to do the things of God instead of the things that they were doing. They slandered me. They let me go. They didn't want nothing to do with me. It felt it broke my heart. But over a period of time when their destruction and their plunging into darkness left them hopeless and helpless, guess who they come running to for prayer? Guess what? Most of them got saved along the way. Most of them, I got to lead some of them personally to the, to the Lord and to bring them out. Someone has to come out to lead the others out. Someone has to stand apart and stand alone if you have to. And to bring order into this world. So, don't think it's strange. Don't think it's strange. In the words of Bob Dylan, you're going to have to serve somebody. He said, it might be the devil or it might be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. In this earth, you're serving somebody. In Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, No man can serve two masters, for you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And he singles that one out because that's a big one. He singles that one out because in another place it says, 
The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, that's, that's the God of their life. They make all their decisions based on where they're going to get paid the most, how it's going to affect their checkbook. How they can get some more. And so money becomes the God of this world to them. But Jesus, in our text, he drove out all who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the table of the money changers in the seat of those who sold doves. He ran that kind of thinking off. Those people who had even made the church all about the Benjamins. Even in the church, there are churches dedicated to how God can get them the limo to drive them to the palace. And we've made it about earthly things. Life is not about a wallet full of dead presidents. It's about doing God's will here on the earth. He owns the cattle on all the hills. We're saving up treasure in heaven where it'll be when we get there. Don't be led around by your wallet. That's foolishness. Money is just a tool to accomplish God's purposes. And if we get that out of correct order, you know, in what is it, Deuteronomy 28? Boy, my mind's kind of just going all over the place this morning. It says that the blessings of God shall overtake thee. And some people preach like that. Oh, man, the blessings of God's overtaken me. Well, you can't, be take, you can't be chasing something if it's overtaking you. It comes from, overtaking means it's coming from behind you. You're out front doing the will of God and the blessings overtake you. You're not chasing the blessings. That was another thing just for free. I didn't even mean to say that. But let me ask you a question. What if you were the rich young ruler? And you were seeking, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, if you think you can, basically, this is my paraphrase, the way I see it, he said, if you think you're all that in a bag of chips, keep all the commandments. If you think you can possess it by yourself, which we know can't happen, nobody can keep the law. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so the, the rich young ruler says, oh, I've done all that. And so Jesus said, okay, let's test you then. Go sell all you have and give it to the poor, and then come follow me. Well, he couldn't do it. Let me ask you, could you do it? If Jesus asked you right now to take all you have and give it to the poor and start over, trust me with your life. Trust me. Would you walk away sad? Or would you walk away with Jesus? That's your two choices. If you're serving money, you're going to walk away sad because you ain't going to be able to take it with you. Somebody else is going to be carrying your wallet full of Benjamins when you're gone. But if you walk away with Jesus, you possess everything. Your heirs according to the glory and riches of God. 
in Christ Jesus. Jesus established order. He came to the temple and he established order. Next, Jesus establishes ownership in the temple. Say ownership. The Pharisees questioned Jesus and they said, what gives you the right to come in here and do this? And Jesus said, it's my house. It, my house shall be a house of prayer. It's my house. And he told you who owned the house right there in the Bible. Who gave Jesus ownership of your temple? Of your house? Of your life? Who, who gave him that? Did he take it by force? You gave it to him. When you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. You did the right thing. Don't regret your decision. You, you confessed him as Lord, and you made the best decision you will ever make. In 1 Corinthians six nineteen, he says, Don't you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and is given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. For God bought you with a high price. You must honor God with your body. Jesus established ownership. We need to go on and get that straight. You find yourself saying, well, I know what God says, but it's my life. Are you taking back the lordship? Are you stepping back on the throne? You know how that worked out the first time. So Jesus establishes order. He establishes ownership, which are two things that need to be done. And he says our house must be a house of prayer. Say communication. Order, ownership, and communication. Communication with God is our very lifeline. It's spelled P R A. Y-E-X. See if you're paying attention. Prayers. <clears throat> I know I'm hitting some sensitive subjects today. I'm, I'm just being honest with you, but if you claim to have a relationship with God, but you don't ever pray, you never talk to him, there's no line of communication, you're just deceiving yourself. Did I say that out loud? There was an old man. He would seem so sweet to his wife, and a younger man come up to him and says, you're 80-something you're years old. It's amazing to me how you call your wife sweetie and honey pie and all these things. And he said, son, truth is I just forgot her name years back. I'm afraid to ask her. <laughs> And that's like many of our prayer lives. We forgot his name a long time ago. We just call him the good Lord now. Anybody says, I see people all the time that knowing they don't know God from Larry down at the, the blockbuster. <laughs> they, they, 
Yeah, you see how ridiculous that is. They ain't even a blockbuster anymore. They know that if they don't have a personal relationship with God, but, oh, the good Lord gave us some rain, and the good Lord this, and the good Lord. But do you, you may know him as the good Lord, but do you know him as Abba? Do you know him as Daddy? Papa? My Lord, my God, in whom I trust. Do you know Jesus? you got to have that line of communication open. Don't just be cordial but distant. That doesn't work. If you're a Christian, he's, a, he's right there. He's, in the, he's inside you. How are you going to be distant from somebody inside you? That's crazy. Martin Luther said, To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. man brought his son into a, a diner, a little five-year-old boy. And they sat down, and they got their meal, and the dad says, let's bow for silent prayer. The man looked down for a little bit, and he, then he looked up, and his son was still bowing. Had his eyes still closed, so he, he waited. He waited. Sometime later, the little boy finally looked up, and and the dad said, son, what, what were you praying about all this time? The little boy says, how do I know, daddy? It was a silent prayer. <laughs> well, we don't need no more silent prayers. Say it out of your mouth. Mouth. M-O-U-F. <laughs> Say it out of your mouth. Okay, so after Jesus reestablished order, he established ownership, and he says we need to communicate. He did all those things. He cleansed, that's what he called cleansing the temple. He set things in order, and then it says he began to heal. And then he began to teach. And see, we all want the healing to flow. We want Jesus to heal our emotional scars. We want Jesus to heal our past. We want Jesus to heal our big toe, our arthritis, all the pains of, the, of life. We want the healing. We need, we beg for the healing. And we want the wisdom that comes from his teaching so that we can live life and we can uh, find the treasures that he's hidden along the way of this life. But so many will not let him cleanse out the temple and create order. And they won't acknowledge his ownership because there's no line of communication. And so you're not ready for the healing. Because if you got the healing, you just plunge right back into the destruction that got you broke down in the first place. God wants to do so much in your life. Jesus has come to radically set you free. But you got to work with him. You got to be willing to make the change that he requires. 
Can you imagine an army with no order? What if the United States Army was going to battle and they had just forgotten all about the chain of command? There was no order in the army. And then they got to thinking, who owns us anyway? Where's our loyalties lie? Is it, is it, are we supposed to be working for the Democrats or the Republicans? Or what was, what was the order? Where's our loyalty lie? They forgot their loyalty. They forgot their ownership. And they go off to battle and the, and the grenades are being lobbed and the shells are coming. And they need to call for reinforcements, but they don't know how to communicate. Communication has been broken. How successful is that army going to be? Well, how successful is your life going to be without these things? No, no order, no loyalty, and no communication. Man, you're just out there on your own. You better run. <laughs> you better run. You better run to Jesus and let him cleanse the temple. Anybody ever see those uh, house remodeling shows? Those fixer-upper shows and stuff? I was thinking about those. How they take an old, broke-down something and then they make it something everybody wants to live in. Everybody. <clears throat> but in those shows, you always hear words like renovate, repurpose, rescue, Restore, rebuild, reconstruct, reestablish, refurbish, revitalize, reinforce, renew, replace, recondition, redo. Well, the best word we can ever hear is redeemed. That's the best word you'll ever hear as a Christian. I've been redeemed. I've been bought back from all the destruction of my past. Now Jesus wants to renovate me. He wants to repurpose me. So I know what my purpose is. He wants to rescue me from the enemies. Restore my relationships. Rebuild my, my credibility. Reconstruct my family. Reestablish my integrity and my character. Refurbish. To revitalize me because I'm just, man, I'm just drained all the time. I need some joy in my life. He wants to reinforce what you're even here for so that you you got a foundation. He wants to renew your life and replace the old and bring in the new, recondition and redo. You are redeemed. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Say so. Say so. I'm the redeemed of the Lord. And I got the courage to change. I got the courage to let Jesus into my heart and do what he wants to do. He's the potter. I'm just the clay. And I trust him to stay on the wheel. I trust him enough to stay strong. Having done all to stand, I stand there for. <laughs> I'm not just shouting Hosanna on, in the triumphal procession in. I want to be shouting Hosanna on the way out. All the way to the, to the resurrection. Whew. 
But some people, just at the mention of the word change, they lose their shout. And I hope that's not you. I hope you're not trusting in the Benjamins to bring you joy in this life. I hope you were meant to be a house of prayer. Your lips were formed so that you could bring forth that perfect praise and you could have that childlike face. You are redeemed and you're supposed to be a tree of life, order, ownership, and communication. And I'll close with this. I spit a lot, but I don't think I got anybody this morning. I spit on her all the time. She's used to it. Matthew 21, 17. In our text, we read it earlier. And I read that and I said, well, do I even need to leave it in the text? Because it says, then he left them and he went to the city of Bethany and he lodged there. I'm like, well, you know, I really wanted to talk about the other parts. I was going to leave that off, but something wouldn't let me leave that off. And I kept thinking, what's in that? What's in that? And so I keyed on that word Bethany, the name of that little town that he went back to. And I looked it up in the Hebrew. And do you know what Bethany means in the Hebrew? It means, you're not going to believe this, house of figs. <laughs> Jesus came in this town and he cursed the fig tree for not producing fruit. And you're under a curse if you're not producing fruit, man. Jesus is going to be lodging where the people are producing fruit. For those of us who are, are a tree of life and we're producing fruit for the Lord Jesus, you can be sure that Jesus is lodging with you. He is with you. He's going to be where the fruit is produced. Yeah, you ought to be excited if that's you. And if it's not you, you ought to be excited because it can be you. Remember, we, all we did this morning was raise our hands and say, I surrender afresh. That's all you got to do. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And you know, a tree doesn't even know how it produces fruit. It just does it. A branch don't know how it produces, but it's, it's just because it's hooked up to the vine. And the life is flowing through the vine. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Just hold on, baby. Look out, the fruit's coming. All right, we had one job. You know, and it's get to stay close to Jesus. Stay hooked up with Jesus. And your life will produce fruit. And he's just telling you how to clean out all the stuff that keeps breaking you off from the vine. So that you can hold on and produce the fruit, the righteous fruit of life for you, your family, your loved ones, for the, the kids down there at the, the park and the kids down there at the apartment complex that we'll be ministering. You will be, you'll be a light bearer. You'll be a lighthouse. People will run to you. Your friends that you had to break off for a moment will come running back because they will see that your life is, is different. And it's producing fruit. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. 
We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.